completely disagree because I think that is the joy of rowing. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and as you can see the face on the screen, I have a pretty, pretty big powerhouse group of individuals, Olympic champions, Olympic medalists. Uh, it's, it's an unreal cast that I have here today, and I'm really excited about the questions that I'm going to be asking. I think there's going to be a lot of debate, and again, I'm going to start this like I start every other episode. If you have an opinion on our questions, or if you think any of these people here are right or wrong, give us your comments, give us your feedbacks. We want to know what what you think, or, or if you think they're right or wrong, it sparks debate, and everything, I wanna start here, I wanna say everything, we all have good intentions here, we all mean the same, we all want the same, we want the growth of our sport, so I wanna start with that. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce our first, uh, the first person here, Carrie Simmons. Carrie has won two coaches' yellings, she crushed it, she killed Lindsay Shoup in the last episode, it was an amazing close-off finish. She is a Olympic champion, Holds the world record, a two-time world champion in the eight. Carrie, welcome to the show. <laughs> I don't think I killed Lindsay Shoot, but I did. Uh, did <laughs> it feel felt good to win? Um, I'm really excited about this one, guys, because Jess and Rebecca. I don't know people maybe don't, maybe don't know this, but they're they've become close friends. So this should be. I think this should be a lot of fun. I, I got to say, I just got chills, Carrie, uh, because I know you competed against them. So how beautiful is that in rowing, that you can, you can be competitors on one day, fast forward a couple of years, and you're close friends. Next on the chopping block here is Jessica Eddy. Now, Jessica, before I introduce you, I'm going to read a quote from you, okay? I'm going to read a quote. European champion, Olympic silver medalists, and having won every domestic title possible, there is nothing I feel that remains to be achieved. <laughs> Except this. You have not won this. So Jessica, you are, and I'm just, this is an, an incredible um, resume. You are a silver medalist in the Olympics 2016. You are a two-time world champion medalist. You're from the UK. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Yeah, Carrie asked me to come along um, and probably just talk about all the times that I didn't actually get to see her when we were competing because she was normally ahead of me. Thanks, Carrie. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's been really cool. I, and I um, would love to share some of my experience of my 13 years of international rowing. And I like what you said before that we might be wrong and we might be right. I think it's, it's the whole point is, is debate. So come at us. Well, this is, this is going to be wonderful. Thank you for being here. I know UK time, this is, this is awesome. We're bringing all worlds together here on this Coach's Yelling episode. Next up, Rebecca Scowl. Now, this, I, 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 I looked you up, okay, and I, I had to check out your record. You are from the Down Under you, in New Zealand, but you are living in the UK right now. You are a seven-time world champion medalist and a two-time Olympic medalist. This is incredible. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Um, hi, yeah, thanks for having me. This is a pretty fun opportunity. It's um, <clears throat> interesting for me to actually get a bit of a rejig to run. I haven't been out for a couple of years. Um, having rode for so long, you're uh, immersed in it, but now I've definitely had a bit of a um, break. Well, you, just, you, you just put yourself in a bad position having been outside of rowing for so long. I think you're screwed here. Uh, <laughs> I might say you might not win this one. And next up, now, Mike, as I'm... Listen, you, you, we're good buddies here, and I'm looking at this panelist, and they are all against you, man. This is three to one, tough odds to go after. You are the executive director of Chicago Rowing Foundation. You, you, are, you have been coaching for, 
I don't even know, what, 16, 17 years at this point. And um, you have raced at all levels, but you have not raced at the Olympic level. And these girls, these women here are bringing the heat. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling um, unusually intimidated, I would say. <laughs> um, but uh, especially uh, with this, the star panel, uh, the star power of this panel and the fact that they're all buddies, I know I'll be fighting with my back against the wall, but I'm ready to go. Now, I know you're naturally like a redhead kind of guy, but you're, you're blushing a little bit. I think you're a little nervous. I can, I can just, I can feel I'm a little, I told you, I'm a, I'm a little bit off, off my game already, but uh, I'll, I'll rise to the occasion. Well, you're first up on the question. Now, here's the way this works for everyone watching. Um, I'm going to ask a question. The individuals get one, a minute to a minute and a half off, a minute and a half in time. If I like what they say, thumbs up. If I don't like, thumbs down. I'm going to score the points. At the end of this first two questions, uh, the person with the fewest points does not move on. They are eliminated. So, Mike, given the time, okay? Now, listen. Think this through, okay? you got a minute and a half. We are on the chopping block of the IOC, right? We all know this, that the Olympic rowing, it's not a fun spectator sport. Given that we have almost another year to prepare ourselves, what should FISA and the governing bodies around the world do to increase the excitement and viewership of rowing for the Olympics. You're on the clock. Well, I think we need to stop looking at it as rowers and look at it more through the lens of the fans and people who don't know that much about rowing and what would draw them in. Um, and I've been yelling this from every platform I can. And the key to this is creating more stars and more stories instead of just focusing on the racing and the records. Um, if everything's going to remain a 2K, which I think most rowers want, um, you know, we need to pick a main event. Right now, there's no main event. You, and, and I've been watching a lot of Olympic footage recently with the time inside. And you even hear the announcers talking about as they come down the course. The American women are winning this eight, but, you know, the, the German eight, they focus on the four. So this isn't actually, like, so viewers do don't you, want to hear that. So then what do you think would be the best boat to watch as a viewer, as a spectator? Um, it really doesn't matter to me, but I would choose the single and the pair if I could because it's, it's, it's less names that you have to remember. And like you can say, this is the best sculler in the world from whatever country. This is the best two sweep rowers from whatever country and you have them compete. People will buy into that. The other way to do it is to make the roster size smaller and set up the racing so that the best people race each other multiple times, right? Like if wow. we had this Bond-Murray pair that got pretty famous, if they were racing in the pair, the four, and the eight, um, you know, people would follow them and you create a more Michael Phelps, uh, Katie Ledecky situation where people Good time. I like that. So he's, he's going to finish with six points on that. Interesting perspectives because we got some women here in the eight and I, and I think they're going to argue with you a little bit on this one. So next up, so we're going to go back around the horn. So Rebecca, you're, you're going to be brought in here. I'm going to, I'm going to reset the clock. So here's, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the same question. Okay. What should FISA and other governing bodies around the world do to increase the excitement and viewership of the Olympic level racing. You're on the clock. Um, yeah, so I, I basically, am, I'd push for the human interest stories. I think it's really difficult to upskill um, a big group of people on the technicalities of rowing. So I think you need to get people to understand the ups and downs of, you know, selection, all of that kind of thing, and mm. push it in front of the media. Because I know in New Zealand, the men's sport is often the forefront of it, and people get behind it and they understand it. They understand the stories and who the people are, but they don't so much for the women. So we've had female journalists try and push the women's stories ahead, which has created some more interest. So I think if we can do that generally across the board with rowing stories and the people, um, it'll make a big difference. So in New Zealand, what you're saying is there, it's not as a big of a story on the women's side that it is on the men's side? Uh, it's, 
it's been pushed more so, but in terms of just sport in general, the men's sport dominate the headlines. So right. for, for rowing, it is quite a 50-50 sort of sport in New Zealand. However, the men's side tends to dominate a little bit, yeah. But that's, I mean, I think success obviously is easier to um, put in the media, which we've had some pretty successful males in the last couple of Olympics. However, before that, the um, Everswind Dales and things, they were often, you know, out there too, so in the media. So I think that kind of thing, the Everswind Dales are a household name in, in New Zealand and they encouraged a lot of school kids to start rowing because they could see the success and... All right, time. So, you know, it, it's a little bit different, I, I, subtly. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the process of becoming Olympic athlete is what she was which was what Rebecca was saying right it's the process teach people the process and they'll maybe appreciate it more um you know there, there's there's a there's something that you guys aren't touching on yet and I'm gonna I'm, I'm maybe maybe Jessica is gonna come in strong and, and maybe she's gonna point this out but I, I got I got a thought on this Jessica from the UK rowing is undoubtedly probably bigger there than anywhere else in the world um what should FISA and the governing bodies do to increase the excitement and viewership of the Olympic level racing? You're on the clock. I'd love to see some sort of world series. So we go to kind of head of the Charles, you come to the UK and you do Fours Head. Um, you might have another race, um, I don't know, the Silver Skiff race and, and change between boat classes and kind of do more of a longer season. So we've, we've not got long and it could be something that could be implemented in future years, but we seem to train so much as rowers and then you race right at the end of the season. Yeah. And I, I think we'd get much more publicity if we did it all through the year and rowing and racing practice would definitely help that. And I think that, I mean, you need money to do that. So maybe if you did it more often, you could create um, public interest, have different sponsors and make it a global thing. And, and I, I think that kind of pushing it out of the strict, it must just be World Cups, World Champs into more of a domestic sphere. And then you can all race, when we race eights head here or fours head here, you can race the best people in the world are racing novices and that's the, that's the draw. Wow, and yeah. And I think that maybe some sort of world league um, going forward would, could create, it needs a big shakeup. And I think something like that could shake it up and make it longevity through the year would keep people interested in it. Time, wow. You know, look, let's, let's face it, American baseball, four or five months long, right? And you have football, four months long. And you're right, from a racing perspective, we have three or four races, World Cups, that Americans don't really give a crap about, right? And I like it. I like the idea of blending other countries to race all year round or maybe in a, in a, in a bigger time period. Carrie, uh all great points. I don't know if you're going to have something new to talk about, but here we are. First question, what should FISA and the governing bodies of around the world do to increase excitement and viewership of the sport? You're on the clock. Yeah, no, this is an awesome question because it's interesting to hear the different country perspectives. So I'm going to speak to the U.S. because that's kind of what I know. Mm -hmm. um, it's still in the United States, college kids that are rowing still don't even know anything about the US team athletes. Um, so yeah, totally, I think, you know, having more stories and, and getting the athletes to become more relatable would be great. What I'm gonna touch on a little bit is we need more racing. I love how the British team specifically does British indoor championships. I think that's a great way to individualize these athletes. So yeah. how can we, you know, Tom would hate this idea, but how can we get our US teams to go to um, 
you know, do more of these erg challenges and really integrate with our high school and college athletes more. I think I would love to see like Heather Charles, more races where we have all levels racing. And so there's more of um, an opportunity for, you know, college athletes, high school athletes to really like match up against these kind of US teams. Do, do Olympic um, level athletes care who they're racing? I mean, even if like, let's say they're going to crush them by 10 lengths. Does that matter? I mean, enough to be like, we cannot be beat by these kids. Oh. Um, so okay. yeah, I, I think we do. It's our job to, we're competitive. Um, so we need to beat them. It's your Holy. job. Yeah. It's not a job. Um, do we know their names? Maybe not. But uh, we'll know what team's fast. All right. Um, Stop. That, that, I love that close off. She brought up something that us at Rower's Choice have been talking about now for a couple of weeks. A job. It's a profession, right? We have to find a way to make this more of a profession. And, uh, man, all great points. After the first round, Jessica in the lead, eight points. Carrie seven, Mike, six, Rebecca, four. I mean, we got it. Now the, the cobwebs are off. All right. The cobwebs are off. We're going to get back into this. We're going to go reverse around again. Okay. So Carrie's going to be first on this one. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time defining this exact question, but, but, but here's the deal. In, I go back in 1990s, there was maybe one foreign athlete in a boat on average at the IRA or at the NCAA racing in the finals. In the early 2000s, an average of two. Now, nearly 70, 80% of boats at the IRA and NCAA championships are from, have athletes from other parts of the country, other parts of the world rather. So I wanna, I wanna be very clear on my question because I, 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 I wrote this down, so give me a second. Here's the question. Why is there significantly larger number of foreign foreign athletes outside of the U.S. being recruited to the U.S. colleges and universities in rowing. Carrie, you are on the clock. All right. Well, I don't know if it's significantly larger. I'd actually like a fact check, but 50-50 even, that's, it's significant. Um, I mean, I'm going to talk from a U.S. coaching standpoint. We're recruiting foreign athletes because we need a bigger athlete pool. It's the supply versus demand is not being met. So, um, I think also culturally, rowing is still very much a niche, niche sport here in the States. We are not getting the best athletes rowing in high school. You know, I was a walk-on, so there we go. No. Um, so my job at Oregon State was a big part of my job, if not the biggest recruiting part, was recruiting walk-on athletes to start rowing in college. Um, because, yeah, it's just the high school athletes, there are some really good ones, but there's not enough to meet the demand of all these universities. Well, you, Brian Volpenheim, I mean, I could name probably a dozen people that Alex, half of our better. women's eight in Rio was walk-ons in college. I, I'm wondering how we fix that. I mean, that's if, even if that's a bad thing. I think our first question would help it, honestly. I think um, getting these college athletes, these high school athletes, to get to know us as role models will, you know, if you start with the rowing community getting to know us, it's just going to expand. And unfortunately, it takes a scandal to kind of get to know college rowing and the opportunity uh, there. Geez, hey, USC scandal. No, we know. I mean, it's, it was all headline news. Uh, you finished strong, 11 points. Uh, and, and I wish we had Reed Johnson here, our fact check. I don't have him in my ear right now, but he will give me uh, a better facts here. So I'm going to change one word in my question. And, and uh, next up is uh, Jessica, right? So 
Jessica, why is there a large pool of foreign athletes outside of the U.S. being recruited to U.S. colleges and universities today? You are on the clock. Okay, I've got two points to make. First of all, um, I got recruited quite heavily when I was a junior rower. I was all right on the ergo. And Ohio State um, offered me a full, a full ride, and I was going to go there. But I couldn't. My, the GB team wasn't set up to allow people to keep trialing, and I wanted to be in the, I wanted to be in the national team like straight away. Mm. So I turned it down, and I went to University of London Boat Club, which was good for me but I couldn't go so I think there was a there was a lot in the early noughties that was 2003 I couldn't go it wasn't a, it wasn't an option even though I was pretty much far down the path of getting recruited so it was it wasn't an option so I don't think many recruiters would come across here and actually do that much because they knew the system wasn't letting the top people go across there now it's very different and I think the GB system's changed and I've rode with girls through my past kind of decade where I've had people from University of Virginia Ohio I've had people from um, UCLA come across and be in the national team, and the GB teams allow that to happen more. So our system's changed, the GB system. Let me, so, let me ask you, is there a big pull for foreign athletes to want to be college athletes here in America? And this is my second point, that you're, the collegiate rowing in the States is such a high standard. It is the rowing in America, really. And whereas mm. the UK is more of a club rowing base, so you're going across there, and you can be a big dog straight away when you're 19, 20. Whereas here, you're going to have to build up to get through that club system in Leander and Ten. Time. You know, I like that a lot. It's, it's, uh, if, if the college here is the, is the standard of the world, like why are we not winning more in America? I mean, what, what are we missing, <laughs> right? And I'm going to lead in right to Rebecca. So, Rebecca, we're going to bring you on. Listen, Jessica and Carrie have brought the heat. Both scored 11 points. You're at four points, Okay. Here's the question. Why is there a large number of foreign athletes being recruited to the U.S. colleges and universities here in America? You're on the clock. Um, yeah, so in, um, I mean, in New Zealand, again, we have a pretty similar, traditionally similar system to the Brits in that we have this gap really strong at school level. We've got a ton of kids that go and it's really pushed by everyone and it's quite a, a draw card. So we've got a, a great population at school level, but there's a big gap and a drop-off. So unless you think that you're going to really make it to the elite team, you look elsewhere. And so I think there's motivation for the kids to you know, head overseas and, and the US is one of the main places that you can go and basically anywhere I don't, I don't really remember ever looking at any other option outside of the US as a place to go. Really? Or, yeah. Wow. So, after um, college. Um, yeah, and so I think, oh gosh, what else would I say about that? Other than that, sorry. <laughs> well, um, explain to me really quick, you got 30 seconds. Um, why didn't you, is there really no better options outside when you're 19 years old in New Zealand to go and make it a career? Uh, I mean, what? Well, you can't. I mean, to do the sport um, at a level that's not elite for your national team, I don't think once you've left school, there's anywhere really to go other than the US. And the scholarships are such an attractive offer and a great thing to do. If you make the elite team in New Zealand, you will get your permanent your scholarships to study. But otherwise, why would you not? Um, you know, you don't want to pay for your education if you um, can find a better scholarship. So. I, you know, I'm wondering, and I don't know this, like, is the school systems here better education school systems than anywhere else in the world? Like, is that a draw? We're, we're not talking about, we're talking about rowing. We haven't talked about the quality of schools here. 
right? Like the education is, is the, is the education better? Mike, we're going to bring you on. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say one more time for you, buddy. Why is there a large number of foreign athletes being recruited to the colleges in us in universities here in the U S you're on the clock? I mean, I think a lot of it's been touched on. I, I think you look at it from the coaching lens and the athlete lens, the coaching lens, you want to cast the widest net possible. I mean, this isn't happening in just rowing. This is happening in college football, college basketball too. Um, it's happening in places of business. You know, the more diversity, the more uh, strength you have in the numbers of candidates you can bring into your program or company. Um, and then you look at it from the, the athlete lens. And yeah, we have a huge list of great universities in our country and we have the deepest and most competitive athletic league. Um, so that's going to be a huge draw of the athletes. I can think back to myself, you know, coming out um, of high school as one of the top juniors in the States. Um, you know, if, if you transplanted what we have here to Australia, I would have been a very excited 18 year old taking my flight to, to Sydney to, to start my new life there. Like, what are you doing as a coach on the junior level to have your athletes a little bit ahead of the foreign athletes coming in? Are you doing anything or even worried about it? I mean, the one thing I'm trying to get, I'm trying to create an exciting athletic environment. I'm not trying to make it um, just about rowing. I'm trying to make it, you know, something that gels in their, their high school life. They got a, I mean, I think back to high school. I don't know that there's a time in my life where I had more on my plate. And you got an extremely long school day. You've got practice. You've got the pressure to get into college. I mean, it's they're under a lot of uh, a lot of mental and physical stress. So. Time. Okay. Well, when we get back from word from our sponsors, I'll tell you who's moving on. Uh, and I, there's a lot to be said here, and I really want other people's opinions. So, after you watch the first couple of minutes of this, and you've listened to anyone from the United States, New Zealand, UK. Give us your opinion. Give us your thoughts. Give send us your comments on this because there's two really important things here. One is the growth of the sport, and the other one is growth and popularity on, on outside the world. So, more from us after word from our sponsor. back so it was not a close one uh and i think if you've been watching and listening and based on my reactions the seven-time world champion medalist the two-time olympic medalist she's gone she's just gone so now we are down to mike carrie and jess i was i was corrected by the way in our commercial break i cannot call her jessica it is jess so we're going to bring the three back on here okay and this part is the coaches yelling. So now I want the three of you, including me, to touch on the last two questions. And again, just a reminder of the questions. What should FISA and the governing bodies around the world do to make rowing more exciting as we lead into the 2021 Olympics? And the other, and the other question is, why are there a large number of foreign athletes being recruited in the United States at the college and university level? The stage is your guys. Three, two, one, you're on. Well, I'm just going to say I'm glad Rebecca's out because every time I've raced her, her sprint has been the gnarliest one to uh, compete <laughs> against. So just the fact that I don't have to worry about that is a comforting. Um, Alex brought up in the commercial, and so I'm going to just address it, uh, you know, getting more kind of viewpoints from the boat, different camera angles. And I will say this was done a little bit before 2016. 
we did have some cameras go on despite it not being favored by the coaching staff completely. Um, I think the issue was, where was this released? It was limited access, I think, to viewers. I, I want to say that there's some like TV rights there that you had to have in order to view it. Um, so the accessibility of this kind of video is kind of also a limiting factor. So, so I think that stuff helps, but um, you know, again, I'm, I'm going back to it. I mean, I think we would all agree that swimming and track are more popular at the Olympics than rowing. Um, and, but I'm not sitting around on Saturday and Sunday having a party at my house to watch a swim meet or a track meet. All right. This, <laughs> this happens for me every four years. I get really into like the stars and rowing needs to jump into that situation. Yeah. And before we talk about pro rowing or anything like that, we have to at least get to that stuff. Uh, that statue. We have four years. We have four years. We have one moment in four years to get it on TV, and it's not always going to be a great human in interest story. We can't depend on that. But what we can control is that the best guys and the best girls actually square up, and hopefully multiple times, because that's what builds swimming and track. We see Us Usain Bolt doesn't just run the hundred; he runs the two hundred and he runs the relays. Michael Phelps wins ten. If we've got to see Redgrave and Pinsett race the pair, the four, and in the eight at the Olympics, I mean that would have been even more fame and attention to rowing. Let me ask a question. Let me ask a question, because I've never raced at this level. Jessica, or Jess and Carrie, can you as Olympic level athletes race multiple times over that period and, and still give your best and, 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 and be at the best level? Well, I think that's when tactics would come in because you would get progressively tired. So we're just used to racing every couple of days and we give our all for that two kilometers. Um, but World Cups, I've doubled up at World Cups before, so you're racing three times a day over two days, and you're absolutely spent by the end of it, but you can do it. And I think if that became our norm, you train differently. And it, I think I completely agree. I think something like that would make it really exciting. Yeah, no, I would say to Jess's point earlier, we need more of a fall racing season. You know, I don't know why college and high school are doing it and we're not doing it internationally. Um, I think the water in areas is still fine to race in. Um, and I think, again, to my point, like these American athletes, like our younger athletes still don't even know their own national team athletes very well. Um, so can we fix that kind of problem within the rowing community? Well, we, so see, that, well, we see them once and we see them every four years and then we don't even know yeah. if they're racing the best crew from the other countries. I mean, so it's I mean, like, more regardless I mean, where I we have an opportunity to see these athletes compete. I'm with you, Mike. Like for me, beach volleyball was my Olympic number one sport. I didn't know anything about volleyball, even though I'm a taller athlete. But until but I love mute them, they're not stars for being on the team. Uh, let me mute them, mute them. Hold on. Let me ask a question. Stop. The traditional route of rowing is the team, the boat, whatever, right? How do we buck the, the tradition and, and have a standout athlete? Because in my view, I've had this conversation. I don't know a lot of athletes that want to be stars that are rowers. Bring them back on said this i think we need an indoor rowing championship that has the top athletes at every year every year you can be a smaller person and you can beat these big massive giant people because you can row better than them and totally, I think, but I think you just have the biggest strongest people in in the world competing you'd get rid of everyone i'm not as i'm five foot nine i wouldn't be able to compete with the massive giant people I said okay, but what about at the in the british scene if you just did your british indoor rowing champs jess I wouldn't win it. It would have been solid. <laughs> no okay. I wouldn't have won well, it. Mike's got yeah. a really good opinion on this. He thinks rowing is just boring. Mike, what are your thoughts on an indoor rowing championship like that? What if we didn't uh -huh. do just two Ks? 
I mean, I, look, I mean, I don't look, I think we're thinking about this again as rowers. Would I watch it? Yes. Cause I like rowing and I know what it all means. Would my dad watch it? No, he would never watch it. Um, and, uh, I don't think most people would watch it. Um, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm not in, I'm not against getting more publicity for rowing. I'm just saying back to the rowing on the water point, which I feel like is the actual sport that we're trying to sell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think these athletes coming around would be cool for rowers, but that wouldn't draw in a non-rower. Like the only way we're going to draw in non-rowers if we get on TV every four years and we show these stars. And whether the athletes want to be stars or not, I find it hard to believe that someone wouldn't want to be known as the best rower in the world. Who is the best rower in the world? I have no idea. I have no one no here knows. And honestly, I don't think anyone can convince me that they know either because we don't force them to race. And I think that sucks. We got, we got 30 seconds because this is really good. Jessica, you are tied with Carrie right now. I want to know. Give me your 30 seconds. Let's close it out with you. Let's see if you can if oh, you can not okay. it. Okay. I, I think the best rowers in the world need to be known. And if in, in the rowing world, they are known. And the women, it's the, it's the New Zealand women at the moment. They're like running away with it. Um, in the men's side, it's kind of the Australians or the Germans. But yeah, they're just the, they're just the country names, not the actual names. And if we became more publicized, and I think things like Instagram and Twitter, I've seen it change through my career, how no one knew anyone. And now people can be in touch with these superstars. Carrie, go ahead. You got 30 seconds. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, no, I think to, the, to Jess's point to follow up, we need more of a unified platform, though, a system to, to publicize. Because right now it's just so sporadic and unorganized looking for rowing. We don't have a platform that's like the go-to to get to know these athletes. Put them on mute. Okay. I, I think we need a network. We need a television show. We need something that goes across the world that everyone can watch and look selfishly. Here it is. <laughs> we're trying to build it. So after uh, we get back from work for our sponsor, we're gonna uh, we're gonna crown another another group of people into the into the face off, the showdown as we call it. Um, and I'll announce that shortly after uh, sponsor uh, our word from our sponsor. We're back. Uh, this was a, a, a challenging moment for me. Uh, every, all three panelists had incredible, um, they provided a lot. They provided a, a, a great thought to all of this and everyone had a good argument, but uh, Carrie beat her before, she did it again. Carrie, Mike, you're moving on to the next round of the showdown. Now, this is a long. This 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 there's a long topic. There's a lot to be said about this. And if you have an opinion, or if you think that either one of these, any one of these people are right or wrong, give us your feedback. Give us your comments. I want to know. We want to know. We want to know how to make this sport more exciting. So your feedback and thoughts would only propel our our sport in the future. Now the showdown. So the way this works is I'm going to ask one question. You both have 45 seconds, maybe a minute, depending on how good of an argument you have. We're going to go back and forth twice, so you each get about two minutes of talk time. And uh, here's the question. I'm going to go Mike first. Okay, Mike, you're up. The question is, is there or should there be a difference in how men and women train in our sport? You're on the clock. I mean, I've, I've found zero difference. I, I think any sort of uh, attempt to – 
to change something just because it's a, a male or a female is, is pretty dumb. Um, it's, it's very basic. I, I mean, I coach junior women, um, and we have very fast crews every year. Um, I also coach the Olympic development team in the summer. Um, and that's the men's team. Um, I do the exact same drills, the exact same training plan. And, um, you know, I found that the, the, the crews perform very similarly. Um, so volume doesn't matter. It's the same. It can be the same. Both men and women can handle the same. There's no differences. There's no nothing like that. As a blanket statement, I don't think there's any way you could say that. I mean, I think I, I don't, you, you should be looking at it as an athlete, like just period. That's it. No, no male, no female tag. We're, we're right. doing the same job. Time. All right, Carrie, let's bring you in. Same question. Is there, or should there be a difference in training men and women in our sport? You're on the clock. Yeah, no, I'm with Mike on this. It's not gender that distinguishes how you should uh, train. I think it's the type of athlete. Um, unfortunately, fortunately, whatever you want to say, rowing is very much a team sport. So it's really hard in the, these team settings to individualize the training plan. I know for me that um, sometimes the volume was too, too much for me. But for some of my teammates, they were crushing it. So I think if you don't put gender in it. I think men and women, whatever. I think it's more... Uh, what type of athlete you are, what's your strengths, what's your weaknesses, what well, do you let, let me Let me kind of, let me dive into this a little bit. Was there a, a difference between the way Tom trained you and the way you've trained your athletes? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so like we were full-time athletes. We were full-time. That was our job um, at Oregon State where I was coaching. They were student athletes and we really wanted to protect that and not go the path of volume, 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 which is what we did on the U.S. All right, time. Let's, let's, let's bring Mike back up. Mike, you're back in here. You got another 30 seconds to a minute to, to, to better explain yourself or, or dive deeper into this one. You're on the clock. I don't think there's that much deeper to dive. I mean, we, the, the crews, uh, the times on the course are about 30 seconds different. I mean, it's not, it's not a huge change in speed even. So, um, you know, that, I, I don't think it'd be any different than saying, do you train the second, do you train the JB any differently than you train the varsity? No, we, we all do the same practice. We all do the same thing. One boat is a little bit faster. One boat's a little bit slower, but, um, it's, it's, again, it's about, Let me play devil's advocate, all right? I'm, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to be singled out here when I bring this up, but you know, when I, when I was coaching at the high school level, the other coach that I was with, we would compare training plans and I would, my, when I was training the boys, we would do slightly more intensity or slightly higher volume. And he would do slightly less. Now, is that the case? Were we kind of naive in thinking was that? He, were either of you guys any good? At rowing? I mean, I was... No, no, no. Were your crews any good? Uh, top 25 scholastic, so not great. Not like Chicago, but we were pretty what about good. The, what about the girls? Were they performing similarly to the guys? We're going to time that. We're going to bring Carrie in because I, 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 can't, I can't give you more time than Carrie. So, Carrie, we're going to bring you in here. And, and you heard my statement. So, Carrie, you're on the clock. Look, I, I think this is really exciting to bring Jess and Rebecca in on this, but um, you see Mahe, right? He's doing half of the season on the bike and doing really well. And then you see other male rowers and they're doing full season of ergo training, right? The British team does that high altitude camp, secrets out. Um, so just, it's kind of how you are as an athlete, what's going to be better suitable for you. And, and at the end of the day, it's the coach making the call. It's not really the athlete making too much of that call. So Gender, I think, is not in it, is what we're agreeing on. It's so, okay, so I, I, just, I just want to make sure that I'm getting this right. So, and, and Mike, let's bring you back on. Let's, let's unmute you here, because I just want to make sure I'm getting this right. And we're going to bring in they, If you train yeah. the girls like they can't handle it, then they're going to get destroyed yeah. by the girls who are trained properly. So yeah. I would imagine that 
if your girls team was training not as hard as your men's team, they probably didn't do as well. And they were probably disadvantaged by that decision of the coach to think they can't do it. I love it. All right. Jess and Rebecca, I'm going to bring you two in here. Rebecca, you haven't talked much at all. I'm going to go with you first. So here's, listen, you're New Zealand. You, I, you, you've heard the question multiple times. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm, look, I'm going to admit, I'm a little bit naive here. I haven't coached in a long time. And I always thought, and I always thought that men and women just train differently. So I, I, want, I want to get your opinion on this, on this topic here. Um, yeah, well, so I agree with um, what everyone else has said, basically, that the, there's no difference between men and women and how you should train them. I think that should stay the same. However, I do think things may change individualize, to individualized programs for athletes specifically. So for me, I was very much an endurance athlete. And towards the later end of my career, I actually needed to reduce the volume to content, like try and keep my um, high-intensity up and better so that was the differentiation and I think at a younger age you've just got to push the volume more so and get that um, stamina built in to then do different things later on in your career. Jess I mean let, let's bring you in here I, I give me your opinion on this. I, I totally agree and I but I love training and I'd eat it up so we often have the argument in, the, in, the, in our national team with two different chief coaches the men and the women and we always compare how far we were going. Obviously, if we both had a 100-minute session, the boys would cover further distance than us. But um, we'd, we'd, we'd f f pretty much do the same, same level of training. And I think, it, I think it doesn't make a difference. And I completely agree. It's the individual. And I think it's hard, though, in a big, big system to individually train. And it's probably until you're the top four or five people in a national team that you can say, hold on, I want to swap that session around. Like Mahe, like others in our team might use a different... Uh, Real perfect or a concept two, until you're the very very top, you can't individualize. You're just little cogs in a machine. So I, I think there's there's a way of doing it, but I think men and women, I don't think it makes a difference. This is a really hot topic, and I want I want to I'm, I don't care if we're making this episode a couple minutes longer than than we maybe expected, but I want to bring everyone back on here because I'm going to ask this question. There's an emotional side of training that we haven't really touched on. Okay, and when I was in high school, being trained in college. I was verbally beaten up, I mean, abused. And now it's different, I'm not saying I don't condone that by any means, but I've also watched a lot of coaches on the female male side at the high school level and boys get yelled at and screamed at and girls, it's a slightly different approach. So Mike, I'm gonna ask you this, so just start with you and we're gonna go back around the horn. From an emotional side and how you talk and train your athletes, is there a difference between men and women? Or should there be a difference? No, I think it's more of a changing of the time. I mean, I, I was yelled at a lot more harshly as an athlete coming up as well. And um, anytime I've, I've made the mistake of doing something like that or seen other coaches do it, um, the kids just don't respond. So I don't think it's effective. I think it's, you know, I think it, it, it scares them. It doesn't get a, any sort of, uh, you know, point across to them. And you can't think and you can't do your job well and you can't learn if, if you're afraid. You need, to, you, know, you need to be very straightforward and you need to be coming out of like, look, this is honest feedback. You, you, know, you can tell someone they're not doing well without screaming at them. You can explain to them why and you can explain to them what they can change. And you have to put the ownership in the athlete's hand to want to make these changes and get better. And if they don't want to do that, you can't scream that into their face. If, they, if you need to be screaming at someone for them to exert themselves, then I mean, at that, if I'm at that point, I'm ready to move on. Let's, I don't, let, I don't let's get a, I want, I want to know Jess's opinion on this one. 
Um, yeah, I've been in pretty tough systems, um, probably not too dissimilar to the Americans. Um, we've had very, very hard coaches and we've certainly been yelled at. Um, so I, 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 from my experience, we weren't treated any differently. And I think there wasn't any difference. And I, I, I completely agree that we, we, it's so interesting to hear that you don't, you don't yell at a person because you don't get anything back from them. But I, I kind of responded quite well to that, but that's my personality. And that's when individually comes individuality. Okay. Rebecca, let's hear your opinion on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really, I think that my, I've responded better when my coaches have given me the ability to take ownership of what I'm doing and, and put me in challenging situations so that I can work out how to get the best out of myself and not be sort of told that I had to do it. I am challenged in a way that sort of brings it out of me. Um, so I don't, I don't think that, I mean, I think men, some, and again, it might come to individual athletes responding to different things, but if you're working with a big group, um, you've got to yeah, give them the ownership of that. And I, I don't think that's from telling them this is what you have to do and just expecting it to be put out again. Carrie? I mean, I agree with what they're saying. I think you do not need to, you don't need to yell and you shouldn't have to yell to get what, what you want out or what the athletes should get out of themselves. Um, that being said, if you're a good coach, you're going to get to know these athletes and know how they are motivated. Some are going to want that kind of motivational call during a hard piece. Some are not going to want it. Um, I think I've had both styles. Tom was really quiet. He just made it all about us competing against each other. And we were so driven already. We didn't really need it. Um, if it happened, it was kind of like a bonus. Um, and I think it shouldn't be expected. I think the athletes definitely should own that process. But um, yeah, as a coach, I've definitely positively yelled when I've gotten excited about an athlete's performance or want them to get going. So let's close that off. So, you know, I just want to, there's a topic. So um, I'm the name drop here, Dan Garbett, a guy that has taught me how to lifeguard row. Someone who's been on my life for a long time. I was coaching uh, in 2011. He was at the Dad Vale with Nova Southeastern. I think it was around that time. And they had just won the, the freshman eight at Dad Vales. And I went up to him and I said, can you give me some advice on coaching? He says, coach your girls like you coach your boys. You know, there is no difference. There is no change. And that was a light bulb that went off to me. And, and we're all in agreement. And, and look, it's individualized. It's, you've got to be a good coach to feel out what your athletes need. It's not a, you do this for boys, you do this for girls. It is a purely what your team needs, how they respond. And, uh, and I like that. So here's a challenge here and I got to crown a winner and it's purely subjective. It's how I feel right now today who wins. Um, the guy who I thought was the underdog, uh, I, I call it, I'm calling it Mike, you win today's episode. You did really well in the opening rounds. Carrie did a heck of a job at the end. Uh, but I just like the way Mike, Poised, controlled, quiet, reserved guy. He answered it the right way. And, and I just liked his, his position today. So we're going to go around the horn here. Uh, we're going to start with Rebecca. You got 30 seconds to close out. How you feel today? Have you enjoyed yourself? Are you going to be back on the show? Um, it's been fun. Thanks for having me. Um, it's always good to get back and chatting about rowing again, but definitely need to have a little refresh and um, <laughs> get Brian back on the brain. So, uh, yeah, it was great. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. No, thank you for being here. Uh, Jess, third place finish. Not bad for your first go. Uh, how are you feeling today? Uh, yeah, good. Thanks for having me. I love talking about rowing. So <laughs> it's just another excuse. And I think it's really interesting and 
really enlightening to speak with the people around the world about it. So thanks very much. Oh, no, thank you. The pleasure is mine, believe me. Carrie, second place finish today, winner of last week's second place today. It was a tight one. I, it was almost a coin flip. How are you feeling today? Yeah, no, I think, Alex, it, you know, to our trend, we can't have two winners be the same in a row. So I get why you gave it to Mike. Um, subjective, right? Um, no, it's been a lot of fun. I, I, I think for Jess and Rebecca, I was saying to them, it's like, it takes a little bit of a moment to get used to talking faster um, and being a little bit more aggressive. So if you have them again, I don't know if I'd want to be on there competing. I think they're going to bring the heat. I think they hate that they lost and I could just, they could taste it. They just, they want that victory. Mike, uh, let's bring you back on here, man. Uh, you, you did it. Uh, I got You did a great job today. How are you feeling after today's victory? Uh, didn't, didn't feel as confident about this one as some of the others. I'm really liking this little rivalry. Me and Carrie are starting to form now that we're the uh, only two multiple winners of the show. I'm going to look forward to battling uh, her and would love to battle these guys again if they're uh, willing to come back on. It was great having everybody and, uh, you know, very impressed with everything you guys have accomplished collectively. I got to tell you, I've known him for a while now, and he's a humble guy being around the likes of you three Olympic champions, Olympic medalists. So this was episode five of Coaches Yelling. I hope you've enjoyed watching and uh, look forward to another episode of Coaches Yelling. See you.